For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Sinners, the bad brains, bringing us in to another episode of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm Shane Told, as always, so good to have you on this currently Wednesday evening. I'm a little late this week, you know. I'm a busy guy. Silverstein, my band, we're gearing up to go back on the road Heading all over North America, celebrating 20 years of our band. My voice is a little uh, worn out. You can probably hear it. We were practicing today. Uh, you know, getting getting in the groove, getting the pipes going. It's very exciting. We're playing the longest show of our career. Three sets, bringing the most production we've ever brought out. It's going to be pretty awesome. If you want to check it out, head over to Silverstein20, Silverstein20.com. For tickets, VIP, it's selling like super fast. It's really exciting. Already a lot of shows are sold out. But uh, yeah, if you come out, feel free to come say hi, say what's up. Um, I love when people come up to me and say, hey man, I really enjoy your podcast. That's that's very lovely. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it too. Episode 213 this week. And we've got a great episode Johnny Three Tears of Hollywood Undead, he's here. And a little while back, we had another Hollywood Undead episode with the J-Dog and Danny, and that was a great episode. This one is a little different. Johnny Three Tears is a very, very smart guy, very well-read, very, very intelligent, and he opens up a little bit here in this one. It was really, really great, you know, to to hear him, you know, talk about some of his own struggles, but also just, you know, 
the process of what it's like for a band like Hollywood Undead with literally five frontmen to write music. And they have a new album that just came out on Valentine's Day. Check it out. It's called New Empire Volume 1. I guess there's going to be a Volume 2 at some point. But this is a great episode. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So yes, buckle up. Fasten your seatbelt. Oh Lord, he coming. (laughs) Before we get into it, I want to remind you all Again, you can email me. I read all my email. I try to get back to as many as I can. I do enjoy it. It's really nice to hear, you know, whether it's talking about uh, previous episodes I've done, if you've enjoyed them or not, or suggestions for upcoming guests. I am all ears or eyes. I guess if I'm reading an email, I'm all eyes. Yeah, I'm all eyes for your messages. So, yes, send them my way. The email address is leadsingersyndrome.com at gmail.com hit me up on social media as well and you know what I'm going to say don't you yes you do check out the lead singer syndrome all access club that is what keeps this show going for free every single week without the help from my sinners yeah this show would not be happening so if you got a couple extra bucks kick it around and you want to chip in, go to Pete for... I'm kidding. Don't go there. Go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. That gets you in right there for as little as $6 a month. That's what helps keep this thing going, keeps this thing growing week after week. And uh, that's where you get bonus content, interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show. It's the only place to get Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise. I do question and answer sessions. Uh, I do all kinds of extra stuff on there. It's a really, really amazing community. You will meet a bunch of friends. I guarantee it. We have people from all over the world. I don't know if we have someone from every state yet, though. I don't think we have anyone from Hawaii. We have most states, almost all 50 states, and Most provinces, most Canadian provinces as well. But uh, anyway, we're growing all the time. It's an awesome thing. Again, check out the link. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Yeah, that's about it. Check that out. And now, check out my conversation with Johnny Three Tears of Hollywood Undead. Hey, it's uh, Shane with Lead Singer Syndrome. No, I figured as much, bro. <laughs> yeah, you got the memo. Well, you never know. I've called you people. Never know. They've been sleeping. They've been you know, in other countries. Like, I, you never know, man. So, hey, thanks know, for uh, thanks for taking the time. Oh, dude, my pleasure, man. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I had uh, I had two of your boys. I had Jarrell and Danny on uh, a little while back, and they were a good time. Dude, those guys are pussies, bro. <laughs> well, they said the same about you, actually. I knew it, bro. I'm, I'm gunning for him now. <laughs> there was one. There was one point where uh, 
I think it was. I think Jarrell said something about how you always have your nose in a book, and uh, he was too busy getting pussy to fucking read. <laughs> well, dude, uh, maybe that's why he's so dumb. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no I, yeah, I, uh, I'm I a mean, big reader. You are right. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yes, yes. That's definitely uh, probably um, what I do most outside of music. I would, I would think. Well, I mean, it only makes sense. I mean, when you're doing what you do, writing rap verses and stuff, that that's a tool in your arsenal that's like pretty fucking important. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, music. Any any writing is derivative of reading to some sure. degree, and uh, obviously, I think writing rap verses any moron can do. I don't think you have to read Shakespeare or Dante to do that. Right? Uh, you just have to feign ignorance and put words together, but. I write a lot of other things that are certainly, you know, have been important to me and stuff like that. Um, but no, you don't have to be smart to write rap verses. All you have to do to know that is listen to rap music. Right. Yeah. Like I was listening to the new Eminem record. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild, like just throwing together all just reference after reference after reference. Well, like I kind of wonder how. He's one of, the, he's one of the few guys who really does take his vocabulary seriously. Right. Um, and in the rap world, he's the one at least. He's the only one who's spoken openly about how important it is. Um, but I think rap, I mean, historically speaking, the dumber it is, the more successful it is. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're I mean, not wrong. No, yeah, you definitely don't have to be a scholar to, to get big in the rap world. Um, but Eminem does take that seriously. And obviously that shows, I mean, the guys, how capable the dude is. And I know, uh, a lot of my favorite rappers take intelligence seriously. Like Tupac and Nas were both very vocal about, right. um, you know, intelligence. But now I think it's really shifted to ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Well, it's interesting, though. You know, this is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast. And, and usually when I have people on, they're the only lead singer of the band. And you guys have like five. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's definitely a big shift in dynamic. You know, I mean, who? Okay, who's the biggest diva of of you guys? The biggest diva, you know, I'm going to be honest. You can't really be a diva in our band because right. you'll get you'll there. They'll be hell to pay. Yeah, so that makes sense. One of one of the reasons our band works, and one of the reasons it's worked for as long as it has, at least in our case, is that we all kind of level each other out. We 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 definitely don't. You know, behavior like that isn't accepted. So right. Um, or you're going to pay a price. So you don't see any of that amongst us. If you act like a diva, all that's going to happen is a bunch of shit's going to get talked to you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's not one of those things that we really have an issue with. That's probably because our responsibilities are more equalized. So in a typical band where you do have a, a quote unquote lead singer, yeah, um, I think they like to flex nuts a little more. Um, so you probably run into that more in your typical a four-piece or five-piece band that's built out like a typical band. Totally. You guys have kind of your, like, you know, your little cliques almost in your band. Like, you know, you guys tend to have songs where, you know, two of you guys will do more like a party song, and then you're kind of more the serious guy. I mean, I mean, there are rules. Those rules do get broken. But I find that's right. kind of interesting, too. Do you guys write like that? Um, do you guys have, like, days in the studio where a couple guys aren't there? couple guys are there like how does that how does that work because i imagine in a way you know having more people it's great because you've got so much much input but maybe when you have you know five people there all the time it's too many cooks in the kitchen 
Yeah, no, I mean, up till this last record, it was the only record we actually recorded where everybody was in the studio every day. We recorded for the most part. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's partly because we only used one producer. This is the first record. Right, we also Good. only used one Matt producer. Good, so, homie. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the homie, dude. He's he's badass. But um, normally I would write my songs on my own. Um and then bring them to the table later and other guys would do the same. And it would kind of be like, you know, you have the skeletons or things. There's also songs that people don't hear until they're done. Like it, we really did write in factions. Um, right. But what we found from doing that is it starts to splinter where the records weren't cohesive in the way that we wanted. Yeah. Um, and you could tell, you know, like, Hey, this was, you, you maybe you couldn't tell, uh, conscientiously, but at least for us, it was like a splintered thing because, you know, you'd have a batch here and a batch here. I would write some, someone else would write some, and we'd all come together and put them together. And you're like, they, they didn't, co- they weren't as cohesive as we wanted. So we did make an attempt on this album. A, it was the first time, like I said, we've ever used one producer for a whole record. And it was the first time everybody was in the studio every day. And you do get that thing where, you know, inputs, input, uh, a lot of inputs, stupid. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, someone will say something, you're like, oh, God, you know, it, it does create other issues. But the good thing is, everybody kind of goes home happy because they all feel like it's been democratic. And, right. um, you know, I would like to be in a band that's totalitarian, but <laughs> I'm not. So, you know, you know, and that and everybody gets their input. And it, is, it really is important to the longevity of the band because everybody wants to feel like they're contributing and like what they're saying is important. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a different experience. That's for sure. Better or worse. I don't know what it was different. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because you're talking about how you used to make records almost more like a hip hop project would. And now you're kind of making records more like a rock band would, you know, I'm yeah. cause that's, that's kind of the classic thing is, is like with hip hop records, a lot of times it's, you're working with a lot of different producers, uh, you know, songs are recorded at different times, you know, they're mixed by different people and then they all end up on this, you know, uh, uh, album that's almost like a compilation of a period of time. Whereas rock with a rock band, it's like always like, okay, we, we go in the studio for two months and we make this record and then here it is. Right. So, you know, interestingly enough, I feel like the new songs, you know, you, you released three singles up to this point. I feel like they're actually kind of have that rock vibe, maybe a little bit more than some of your old stuff. Yeah, there, dude, there's definitely an element to that. And, you know, it's weird because it's kind of intangible. The differences, um, I think re- records are like living things, I guess, and you kind of curate them the way you curate them. So when we write separately or we do it like along more like the trunk music type shit where, you know, I go in with a guy and what we always wanted to do was release music like hip hop artists do. Hey, let's write four songs this week and go release them. Right. Why, why, why wait for an album? Why go through all this press and all this, these big builds up, buildups to release a record when I'd ra- I would rather release four songs eight times a year. That's my philosophy. But when you're signed to a major label, that's not how major labels work. And although that is shifting, I will say that is shifting yeah. and it will shift. I've been pushing for that for years because I kind of saw where it was going before it did. So all rock bands are going to start releasing music uh, under that kind of hip hop format where it's like, hey, dude, I'm just going to throw a song out. I'm going to get Joe Schmo on this track and we're going to just do it and we're going to release it, which to me is so much cooler because you're releasing music in the moment. A lot of the times when you release a record, dude, 
the guys in the band recorded it a year before it came out. Right. So it's like it loses something in my – something gets lost in translation. So the rock vibe of the record, I don't think we went in there like, hey, let's make a heavy record. And honestly, on the second volume of the record, there's definitely a couple more hip-hop songs. There's some ballad stuff. We kind of put the heavy hitters on the first one just to kind of come out of the gate right. with heavy tracks. We enjoy playing those live more too, which is a big part of it. So um, it, it is weird, dude. And honestly, I couldn't ever like explain how recording music works because it's so different from one day to the next, um, oh, even yeah. on the same project. But especially it, we with you guys, well, especially with yeah. you guys because you have so much. It's almost infinite how many different combinations of of things you can have because you're able to incorporate, you know, different types of vocals. Um, you know, everything from clean singing to rapping to screaming to yelling. Um, you're able to incorporate every kind of instrument from real drums to 808s to heavy guitars to clean guitars to yeah. anything, right? It's it's literally you can do anything. And in a way, it, it starts to become difficult to know, you know, where to you know, put everything in into some kind of a, a here's an album, right? It's yeah, it's hard to do. Well, that. I mean, it's hard to know when to rein it in too. Like, yeah, we, I just love being in the studio. So we'll just get we'll go down the rabbit hole to the point where we're like, yo, this probably isn't a Hollywood and Dead song at this point. <laughs> it's so out there, you know, you well, start putting ukulele on songs. I love that kind of stuff. I love oddities and nuances in music. Um, and we've had to accept kind of, I think, what Hollywood and Dead fans expect from us. It's like being in a relationship. I know what I want from the band. What do fans want from the band? And there's things that I've realized just through trial and error that we can't do because that's not what people want to hear. And you can shove it down people's throats if you want to. Yeah. But I, what we do, like I just write music outside of the band. That was kind of like, okay, this is Hollywood and Dead. This is what Hollywood and Dead is. This is what people want from this band. I'm going to go and do other projects just to satisfy myself artistically. Cause I will, there are other things I want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like reining it in, that's always kind of been difficult. Cause we'll get out there, dude, especially if you give us an eight ball or something like that, it gets a little out of hand as far as the creativity goes. Um, Appreciate the honesty on that. Yeah, part. dude, we'll go out. Of, um, I'm not kidding. We'll go back in the studio the next day, and I don't remember anything. We're listening to shit. I'm like, dude, we're like fucking nuts because it's like, uh, you know, it starts to turn into like a Jefferson Airplane song. You're like, dude, we're like hippies. <laughs> I think I don't know what we are anymore. Um, so it's it's definitely a weird juxtaposition. One of the reasons I love being in Hollywood Undead is because it's about as close to no rules as you can get. You know, there's nothing really off limits. If you're in like a metal band yeah. and you write something soft, people aren't going to like it because it's not metal. If you're in a rap band and you did something different. And I think from the beginning, we've always kind of kept it open-ended. So that at least is expected of the band. So there's very few things that if it's a good song, I don't care uh, like about the details. As long as it's good, we can kind of get away with doing yeah. it. Yeah. So you know- that part's cool. You know, it's interesting too. you bring up the idea of of releasing more music more frequently, you know, and releasing, hey, a single here, a single there. I think when you do that, you can take more chances because your fans know, okay, well, maybe I'm not feeling this song because it's a little bit weird, but I know, but I know in a month there'll be another song and then a month after that there'll be another or two more. It's, you know, the model where we're at, you know, the major label album model that we've been stuck with since fuck the 60s. 
Um, <laughs> seriously, it, it's, it's the problem with it. It's like your fans have waited two years and they love your band and all they want is a new Hollywood Undead record or a new Hollywood Undead song. And then you put a ukulele on that shit and they're going to freak the fuck out because they've yeah, been waiting two dude. years for it. You know, that's, exactly. that's the problem. It's not, it's not the ukulele itself. Right. So you make a great point. You make a great point. It's the timing. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, there's, there's multiple ways I think both parties kind of benefit for us. I like being in the studio. I don't like to tour all that much. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. What's happening the day yeah. of your release, but okay. <laughs> yeah, know, we'll, we'll get to there. Go on. Yes. It gives us more opportunity to write, which yeah. is what I enjoy about music is writing music, which, you know, playing music is great, but I really, I enjoy the, the writing aspects of music far more. So you're in there and then you're not writing songs in blocks, which is like, okay, we're, we recorded this record in a month, basically about four weeks. The recording took place over December of 2018 and the summer of eight night 2019 right. very different time periods oh it's coming out so some of these songs written over a year ago um and i kind of lose a certain connection to them you're like oh yeah like i listen to them i'm like oh what the fuck is this right oh that's us you know and i would rather be in the studio and just be like dude because i get so heated up i'm like dude this is fucking dope i want to put it out the next day yeah. Why? Why do we have to wait? So it's true. And these days, these days, you really don't have to wait. Technically, you don't have to. So, you know, I mean, it isn't the same well, way it used to be. Music, if, you're, if you're not on a contract or on a deal, you could really theoretically do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's steering more in that direction because typical album sales or unit album sales are almost completely gone now, or yeah. they're going. Um, so is it is streaming? So it will be all that will be it. I know Best Buy started to stop selling CDs. Towers got, I mean, uh, Target's got like a single rack of music. And yeah. Most record shops outside of the indies are gone. So um, as it moves in that direction, I think you'll see music move in that direction with it. Um, and I'm excited about it. That's kind of what I think. That's the way I think music should be. It should be spontaneous, not this big planned out thing with a month of press before you put it out. Because then, yeah, like let's say a fan hears it and they're like, okay, this is cool. Um, maybe it's not my thing. Well, in two years, I'll hear something else out of these guys. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly, you know, exactly. No. And people forget. There's, there's, you know, people forget about ours, especially with the shelf life of shit. Like music videos these days. Like you make a music video, does anyone care? Like it's, it's getting. No. You know, it's like. like I'll, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting fact. So when we first started, the budget for our first few music videos were around a half a million dollars. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know. Our, I know you're not. Our budget was 500. Our budget for like Hear Me Now was like 450. Young was like 300. So those early songs off the wow. first two records, you have these massive budgets. Now a big quote unquote budget for music videos 30 to 50 grand because Absolutely. they're not monetized anymore. So before you put a music video out, it goes to MTV or Fuse or those channels. In the record company selling records because yep. of it. Yep. So they would invest in it because, hey, this equals sales. Now it has nothing to do with album sales whatsoever. It's more of like a minor service thing. So the videos suffer because I'm, I'm, it's, it goes without saying that if you have more money to make a video, the video is going to be better quality. You can, you know, there's more to it. Um, now you're working like with a skeleton crew in our own music videos suck. I'm like, why do we keep making these piles of shit? 
Um, <laughs> I appreciate the honesty in that too. Not that you have bad music videos or whatever. I, I just think everybody no, has, do. everybody do, has, dude. but everybody has worse music videos because you're right. You can't do the things that like, you know, my chemical romance is coming back. Like they made some of the most incredible music videos ever. That's never going to happen again because they aren't played no. on TV. It, it, it really is true. It doesn't equate to sales. So therefore they strip the budgets. You got guys like fresh out of college making your video that have never made one or, it's just like, yeah. you know, I I don't get it. We released a video recently for Already Dead, and I watched it, and I was like, you know, I don't care. It was it sucked. I was like, dude, this is shitty. Um, yeah. I don't want to watch it. So yeah. <laughs> you run into trouble. But at the same time, the only reason they're servicing YouTube, that's it, which understandably is a massive, it's the biggest social media site there is. But if you're just pointing it out to your fans, they're not going to make an excuse for spending a bunch of money because it's not going to bring anybody else in. Yeah. So, you know, you're you. I thought that I've ever been a huge fan of music videos anyway, but now the the quality is just terrible. So it's like I don't know. Who yeah. knows how long that'll last? I yeah. don't get the point anymore. No, you're, no, you're absolutely right. Um, especially the fact that most people are watching them on their phones too, right? Like it's. You know what I mean? It isn't like you're, yeah. you know, it's, it's different. You're not watching it. Like the experience isn't the same anymore. No, no. no. And halfway through, like you get a text message and then you have to go check your text message. So YouTube stops because you know, that's what happens with YouTube. Well, and, and like, dude, that's the sad thing no, about the music it's, video. It's no, there's the text no connection. It's just more important than the video now. Yeah. No one gives a shit because yeah. videos suck. You heard it here first. Uh, so <laughs> you're going on tour, uh, actually on release date, February 14th. Uh, album full of love songs, I imagine, which is why it's coming out on Valentine's Day. Yep. Uh, so I'm looking at this European tour, and a lot of bands say they're going to Europe and they play like a couple shows in the UK, a couple shows in Germany, and they're back stateside in like seven to ten days. Uh, you're not doing that. Uh, I'm seeing Spain, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, Austria, Greece, Bulgaria. That's not a common one. Romania, even less common. Hungary, Poland, uh, goes on and on. More Germany, France, Netherlands, Denmark, and then you're finally back. Uh, it looks like about five weeks overseas. For a guy that doesn't like touring, that mm, doesn't sound great for you. Yeah, well, dude, honestly, that's not that long. We've been over there for over two months before because we, wow. <clears throat> we're we not doing the UK and we're not doing Russia, which are typically places where you would tack on another three weeks, right. two to three weeks just on yeah. those shows alone. Um, so it's not that that's actually a fairly short run. Um, we, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's pros and cons. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I hate everything about touring. I'm actually like, for instance, this is the first time we're playing Athens. Um, cool. I'm going to go see the Acropolis, which is, is amazing to me. The fact that I got to go see that building or what's left of it. Um, I love the historical aspects of touring. I've seen some things that like, you know, especially growing up in LA, where the oldest building is like 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's weird to you when you're growing up. Like, whoa, this building was built in the 40s. And then you go over there and there's churches that are a thousand year, years I, old on every other block. It's so, so weird. Like like when you're in somewhere like somewhere like Rome, for example, and there'll be just some little thing that no one cares about and, you'll, and it'll, it'll be like 2,000, 2,500 years old. And you're like, I know. And it's just yeah, there. The I can just touch that. Were, no one were, even cares. So weird. I know. No, they have no interest. They think it's weird that we have interest. But <laughs> when you do come from the U.S., you know, it, it, it's a rarity. So for me, I, I, I do enjoy those aspects. I love to play our music and uh, I love doing the shows. 
but you got to understand that's like an hour or an hour and a half max out of a whole day. Yeah. So you really, you, you kind of get stuck with, you know, there's a lot of boredom involved. Um, now I used to drink and do just like lots of drugs and so, you know, I was, I lived life on the edge, let's say, and I kind of cleaned up my act as I got, you know, further down the road, I realized I was going to die or some shit. So yeah, that opened up a whole nother avenue. It was like, okay, how do I fill this time without all of this other shit? Um, that has been challenging for me. And I've been, you know, pretty much sober on the road for like a few years, not to, not to disappoint anyone. Uh, but you know, filling that vacuum was very challenging for me. Um, that was my personal struggle is trying to go, okay, how do I do this? Something I've done for so long, <clears throat> completely inebriated. And all of a sudden I have to do it yeah. sober, sober as I can be, um, especially with the narcotics. Um, that was challenging. So, you know, I read a lot and I do different things and I do those things, but it is hard for me to be, I think sometimes on the road under those circumstances that I'm so familiar with in one certain way, trying to live my life a different way has been very hard for me. So that's another thing for me is it's, it's challenging to, to meet my criteria of health when I'm on the road, but yeah. mm -hmm. I do it. And when I come back afterwards, I'm like, you know, I'm, I am, I'm proud of myself because I never thought at any point earlier in my life that it was something I'd be able to, to tackle without the, the assistance of the substances. So the fact that I could do it now and don't get me wrong, I'll drink here and there and stuff like that. But I used to go pretty overboard. So, so yeah. there is a sense of pride to it, but it is tough, dude. I'm not going to lie. It's tough being in that environment and doing those things uh, where that's so common and almost expected of you. Um, that's been challenging, but I'm getting better at it. Well, so. you're married now and you have a child as well. Um, two children, bro. You have two just, children. Oh, congratulations. I got a three-month-year-old wow. here with me right now. Three months. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, they say I don't guy. have any kids, um, so I can't really relate from personal experience, but they say, you know, having children really does change you. Did you find that? No, because I snorted shit tons of coke after my first kid. <laughs> okay. She's 10. Yeah. I was a nut for the first like eight years of her life. Right. Um, so, no, I, I, I think the only thing that happens is you do the same shit and you feel extra guilty. Um, mm. That stuff's hard to kick, dude. It's hard. Uh, hard it's hard to beat. And, um, you know, I don't want to get all, you know, serious or anything like that because, um, you know, I'm sure that's not what people want to hear. But well, fuck, me, fuck what people want to hear. I mean, this is, you know, you can say what you want to say. I mean, that's this. That's yeah, why this I mean, is a great platform. You know, we do long. No, form, that is cool. That is, you cool. know, so you, I, you say whatever you want. My observation is this, like, you know, living that, you know, in that manner, it's easy. It's very easy to 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 drink and do drugs to oblivion. It's actually much, and I used to think that was hard. That's what I, that's who I was. And you associate it with everything that you are to live a different way is actually challenging, you know? Mm, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I think that it was something I obviously had to do if I wanted to like have a full normal life. I was like, do this. Cause I wasn't like, actual user of things. Um, so, you know, eventually those things get so out of hand that you're like, okay, this is like my identity. Now this is all I associate myself with. It's part of you. So, I think shifting out of that, which I've been able to do is, you know, like when we're going on tour, I still get a little anxiety about it. Like, Oh my God, dude, how right. am I in the cope? Um, but you know, with kids and stuff like that, it certainly does a lot more to keep you on like that straight and narrow. But, um, 
you still have your own demons you gotta you gotta go to war with and your kids can't do that for you so you still have this fight in front of you uh, whether you have children or not, whether you're married or not, whether your friends think you're an asshole or not, it doesn't really matter. It's all those things take place within. So, you know, it's just something that I've learned to to deal with. I actually talked to Jacoby about this. We were touring with Pop Roach because he's he's straight sober, you know, and he he wears that on his sleeves. Yeah. Um, and you know, talking to him, you kind of get it, it for some people. I think, and this isn't necessarily me. It's either life or death. That's what the choice comes down to because you know where it's going to lead eventually. I've actually seen it uh, quite a few times with some people I was close with who just who just couldn't. They did it till they were dead, and they're dead, and that's that. And I was like, dude, I don't want to fucking be that guy. Um, that's not cool. Right. That's not like rock and roll. That's like fucking stupid. Yeah. So that's where I kind of crossed that threshold. So touring is tougher in that aspect for me, but – I really do kind of relish the challenge too. Cause every time I get off a tour and I make it through it, um, it really, I am, I'm proud of myself cause I know how tough it is, but, um, but with the other guys in your band and your crew and, and whoever else, I mean, they're all in different stages of their own, maybe figuring this out or not as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was the worst. There's okay. no doubt about <laughs> okay. it. I was the guy that everybody was like, fuck, like, Hey dude, this is cool, but you take it too far. Yeah. Um, it really, there were very point, there are points in our career where I know for a fact, cause they told me in retrospect that they couldn't stand being around me. I was too doped up all the time. And who wants to see that? Who wants to watch that? Who wants to be a part of that? Um, so there was definitely encouragement from them to slow down, to stop if I could. And, They've been very, you know, supportive of it. Those guys, some they'll still drink, they'll just still do their thing, but they were never completely off the fucking rails in the same right. sense that I was. Um, and we have crew guys <laughs> that are like fifty that still party like crazy. <laughs> but dude, the apex of their life is being in a crew. That's yeah. what they want. Hey, cool, dude. If that's what you expect from yourself, by all means, go for it. But. You know, I have too many responsibilities and too much. Too, it's not just me when I behave in that manner. Or I, I go in that direction. Yeah. I'm not just affecting myself. And that's the thing. It becomes selfish because you're fucking a bunch of other people's shit up too. You've, you know, you moved to uh, across the country to Nashville, right? Is that where you're, where you are now? That's right, man. So yeah, is, I, I mean, that, here. that's a change. I mean, you, you're from Los Angeles in California. You've lived in various parts. I know in Southern California, uh, I mean, part of it too i mean that change there's different people you're around probably letting some of your maybe negative friends go up to a point maybe not officially just seeing them less that's probably helped too with just that change yeah no absolutely i mean i grew up all the way up until i moved there and you know you, you of course you know we got some shady characters in our lives and you know i love the the people i know that but yes it does make it easier um that I won't even lie. That was one of the driving forces behind the whole thing. Right. Um, yeah. Was kind of getting a fresh start. It's tough, dude. When you know every drug dealer where you live, you know tons of people that are just dying to fucking go get high with you, <clears throat> and they're right on your front doorstep. It does make it more enticing or tempting. Um, so that has probably helped quite a bit. And you know, I have a lot more time to myself here, which is good as far as like you know, kind of self-reflection or trying to figure these things out is easier when you're not constantly bombarded by the same thing. Um, but I miss LA, man. There's no doubt about right, it. You know, right. uh, that'll always be my home to a certain degree. And I'm not even saying I won't go 
back. But this time period was kind of needed for me to kind of clear my head, um, for my family to get our feet on the ground and figure out who we are as a, you know, how that works. Yeah. Cause honestly I was never really a member of the family. I was there, I was a provider, but I was stumbling through life incoherently. So to kind of figure out what it actually means to be a parent and to be a husband in those things was tantamount. So it's kind of helped me to ground myself and okay, this is who I am. This is what I can get away with. This is what I can't get away with. And these are, this is what's important. So it's been very beneficial in that sense. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so a couple more things before I let you go. Um, well, you guys are playing Red Rocks on May 17th. That's pretty special. Have you played there before? No, I, or we might. Uh, oh, you were not going to, you know, I was trying to remember. <laughs> well, maybe if you were on like, drugs, it's possibly. That's different. when I was the dope boy. Uh, dog. I don't, I don't remember anything from the first decade. No, man. Well, that, that's a special <laughs> show. And I, whenever I see that pop up on a, a tour routing, I'm like, oh man, that's, that's special place to play. So I don't know if you thought okay. about it. Well, but, I'll, uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, well, May 17th, <laughs> circle on your calendar. You're going to have, have a really good time. Um, I want to talk about, you know, we talked about music videos and how basically you don't care about them anymore. Um, but what's interesting too is, you know, you guys got your start with these high budget music videos where um, a lot of your fans gravitated towards you because of your image. And part of it was, you know, masks. Yeah. And you guys were known as the mask band or whatever. But, you know, your latest video doesn't have any masks in it. Um, right. It's something that you've kind of pushed away from what's your what's your take on all that i mean i wouldn't say we necessarily pushed away from it it's just kind of we ran out of creative ideas (laughs) so it's like in the beginning you know i love the visual aspects of these things there's something very striking about the imagery and it adds to the art form to me yeah there's two things you said one thing i don't like is being known as the master band because then it's like okay, so do people, are they more interested in this image or the actual music? I feel like that kind of uh, being known as that was something that always kind of pushed our buttons a little bit. Right. Because um, then it's like, okay, so that that's what we are. Is you might as well be a fucking WWF wrestler at that point. You know, um, I didn't I didn't like that aspect of it, but I still we still stuck with it because, like, I, I really did love the imagery. I loved making them. We worked with this prop guy who does like a ton of movies. His name is Jerry Constantine to make the mask. And it was very hands on. Right. And your fans too, like means a lot to your fans, you know, when you change the mask and they'd all talk about it and what does it mean? And you know, Um, that, that part's kind of going away a little bit now. It might come. I'm not saying we're done to be honest with you. When we made this record, we just didn't know what to do. So I was like, look, I don't want to force this thing. It's like something we have to do. Even if, what if the idea is bad? I'd rather do nothing then create something that we don't, we're not into. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that it's going away forever, but I'm also, I don't want to be forced to do it simply because it's part and parcel with the image. Cause then you're copping out. You're, you're kind of selling out to this whole thing where it's like, well, this is what people want to see. So let's do it. Well, what if we don't believe in it? What if we're not, we don't like the idea at that point. I didn't want to force our, our force the hand to do something that we weren't into at that moment. So I'm not saying they're going away forever. I actually just talked to Jerry yesterday about a project for masks. Cool. Um, but we just don't know what direction it's going to take and I don't want to force it, you know? Cool. Yeah, man. Um, so I, I was reading a bunch of stuff about you and I'm, I kind of want to know if it's true or false. So I'm going to go through okay. these really quick and I want to know if they're true. 
uh, or false. Okay, here we go. Uh, are you the oldest member of the band? Yes. Uh, are you of Irish heritage? Yes, 100%. Are you afraid of heights? Absolutely. Did you go to Yale? No. <laughs> okay. There, there's one. I was like, I don't know about that one. Um, is your favorite food pizza? No. That's a fucking joke that Charlie, he likes to fuck with me. So he'll say this. And then I hear that. Dude, I'm like, I love pizza. Who the fuck doesn't like pizza? My ex-girlfriend doesn't. And that's the ultimate red flag. Good job on breaking up with that bitch. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, no, I I like pizza. It's definitely not my favorite. Mexican. I like Mexican food more than anything else. I'm from LA. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. And the last one here is, he went to jail from 2008 to 2009. Is that true? Yeah. Oh. Is that, that wasn't did, my first trip either, bro. Oh yeah. What was what was it? Uh, what was it for? Uh, I can't actually okay. discuss that. Yeah. You don't have to. Is it? Is it? No. If you have a criminal record, is it hard to get into Canada and stuff, or has that all been figured out? Yeah. No, I have to hire an immigration lawyer every uh, every single time I go in. And also the other trouble is, so I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid. I actually graduated high school at, in Central Juvenile Hall in L.A. because uh, I was locked up from when I was 16 to 17. So while I was there, they're like, you still have to go to school. You know, you're still a minor. So that's where I finished high school. Right. Um, but the thing here is, so once I turned 18, my record got sealed in the States. But that doesn't happen in other countries. So interesting. everything I've done since I was like 13, and they print it out too. So they give you this big ass thing, you know, and it, it tells you, and it's crazy how detailed it is. Cause I've been arrested, you know, it is, it, I've been arrested over 30 times, 40 times somewhere in there. And a lot of it's for dumb shit. Don't get me wrong. Dr- drunk, fighting, stupid shit. But they list it out in detail. And you're like, how the fuck does, do these people know this stuff? Like, it's it's a wild how detailed the records they have are on me or anyone for that matter. Wow! So every time we go in there, I got to hire a lawyer. They have to uh, go back and forth. It's really just to get money. Um, yeah. We have to pay a bunch of money for me to be able to go in, um, and then I, I have restricted rights while I'm there. And I'm like, dude, um, it makes sense. It's probably for the best that I, my rights are restricted while I'm there because I really want to cause some fucking trouble up there, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole reason you want to come to Canada. That's what people. Dude, I'll want. tell you a funny story, yeah. uh, dude. I want to tell you a funny story, but I'm actually wondering if some fucking Mountie will listen to this. <laughs> I'll uh, trouble. I, I highly doubt it. Well, we were like, uh, no, you know what? I'm not. Just to be safe, I won't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. That's yeah. Everyone just is, is collectively bummed about that, but that's okay. Uh, if you, okay, get, if you, you get the guts, we call did this me back. Festival in uh, Mo- in Quebec City or Montreal. Yep. We got a shit ton of blow. And so Coke's expensive um, and it's not always easy to get everywhere you go. So we're in the back lounge of the bus um, and we're trying to snort it as fast as we could because we were getting close to the border. Um, <laughs> and we had our tour manager like, hurry the fuck up, you know, and we're just oh, boom, 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 just railing the stuff. And it was, we had so much it wasn't going away. So as we're pulling up like to the state, we're throwing these baggies out the back window. And uh, oh my God, <laughs> like pulling in to the thing because it's hard to throw coke away, as any cokehead will tell you. We got it all down, we made it through all of it, you know. And I'm like standing there, and you, I still have like little donuts like around my nose from the stuff standing in the line. And the tormentor, he was so fucking mad, he was like, You guys were destroying it, you know. It was right. actually one of the last times I went up there and fucked around, it was a while ago. 
but I kid you not, it was right up to that point. And these guys tear your bus up, dude. The U.S. guys and the, they'll pull all the benches Some, out. Sometimes, yeah. Well, it, the weird thing is I get it coming in, like why the Canadian side would do it because drugs are a lot cheaper in the state, so it makes sense to traffic them up there. But I'm not going to – I wouldn't go to Canada buy Coke to bring it closer to Mexico. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So right. it's like I don't understand that aspect of it. It's like I guess methamphetamines or something, but – um yeah, man, Canada's always tough, but I've, you know, like I said, I just kind of straightened out. It is nice pulling into the border knowing that I don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> wow, dude, that's crazy. I've, I've heard some stories. That's uh, that's a good one. Oh, dude, it gets worse, but those I really can't tell you. No, no. Well, well, this is all. This, <laughs> I mean, if any Mount, Mounties listen to this, this is all bullshit anyway. We're just, in Mounties, we're just it's all, in all, to all the Mounties listening. We're just or the prime, Justin Trudeau, any <laughs> of the prime, the cabinet. This is in the past. Uh, don't live that way anymore. And I even apologize for disrespecting your country. I meant it. I didn't mean it personally. Um, I don't know who makes the coke up there in Quebec, but it was good. <laughs> who makes it? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Dude, uh, uh, Johnny Three Tears, thank you so much, man, for doing this. I'll let you go. I know you got other uh, interviews and all that stuff. Uh, I want to leave the people with a tune. Which Hollywood Undead track shall I play? Any track? Any track. Dude, I'm going to pick my favorite song off our last record. It's called Pray, Put Them in the Dirt. Got it. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks so much.
eventually that desperation has to end. So there is music from Hollywood Undead, whose new record, New Empire Volume 1, is out right now. Go check it out. And if you're in Europe, and I know a lot of you are, make sure you go check out their massive tour that they're doing over there. And if you run in to Mr. Three Tears, you better come up with something smart to say, because he's a very, very, very smart man, and it was really awesome having him on here. I want to thank Natalie for setting it up, and I want to thank you for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button right now, whatever you're listening to on this, okay? I'll wait. I'll wait. Hit it. Did you do it? Okay, you did it. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing. You don't want to miss it. We've got so many great episodes coming up. I am super, super excited Be sure to check out the new Hollywood Undead record. Be sure to come see Silverstein on tour. If you like the show, tell a friend, tell a loved one. Thanks for tuning in. Peace and love. And we'll see you next week.